Praise God. All right. So over the past few Sundays, we've been on a conversation, and I think I need to say this too. As a church, we normally have our Holy Communion service on the first um, Sunday of every month. All right. But for the month of May, we are going to push it to the last Sunday, um, the last Sunday of the month of May. All right. So you are going to get reminders. Um, and if we're not yet gathering physically, we're going to give you instructions on how to go about it. There will be no special grocery shopping required. All right. Um, there will be preferred materials, but whatever you have, um, the Spirit of God can work with it. Praise God. So more information on that. Praise God. All right. Let's go straight into the word. Um, two Sundays ago, I believe we started a conversation on how to enjoy divine direction. Um, last week, Sunday, we took it a, a, deep, a, a bit deeper and we had a conversation, all right, on God's will for his children in terms of ensuring that we are awake and aware and sensitive by his spirit to bring answers to a world that will have so many questions, all right? So today is a part three in that conversation and we will tie it up next week by God's grace, praise God. You know, in our training training schools um, for, for, for those of us who are stewards of the world and are responsible, uh, part of the, 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 the coaching is that your series shouldn't be too long, all right? Like part one, part two, part three, part four. I'm the kind of person I can do part 365, all right? I kid you not. Praise God. And, and that is sincerely, that is because I believe there's just one series. There's really just one topic. It's Jesus, all right? So all the sermons, all the sermons is still Jesus. Um, the moment we stop preaching Jesus, then we don't even have a sermon. We don't have a message in the first place. Praise God. Praise God. All right, so let's go to our anchor scripture. We've been on Psalms 32, verse 8 and verse 9. It says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Verse 9 says that do not be like the horse or like the mule which have no understanding, which must, must, keyword, must, for it to receive any direction or understanding it must. It must. All right. And I hope someone is paying attention to that. When you refuse to be taught, when you refuse to be instructed, all right, there is a dimension of God's love that can bring you into the realm of must. Must. Which must be earnest with bit and brittle, else they will not come near you. Praise God. So God here, in accordance with his word, is saying, I want you to be taught, I want you to be instructed, and I am not delegating that to any other. I won't allow any other God, I won't allow any demon spirit, I will not allow any occultic altar to instruct or to teach my children. It is my desire to instruct them. It is my desire to teach them. And it is my prayer, all right, that the outcome of these conversations over these past Sundays is that you will look at your life. You will look at your family. You will look at your decision-making process and you will be able to confidently say that I am taught of the Lord. I am instructed by the Spirit of the Most High. Praise God. I said praise God. All right. So today we're going to see 
and begin to understand that God is not playing games with his children. I'm going to say that again. God is not playing games with his children. God is not playing games with his children. God is not inviting you to a rabbit hole where he will give you a clue here and a clue there and he will lead you into a maze and he'll dribble you, dribble you, then you get tired, all right, and then you're, you're about to give up. Then he, he gives you just one encouragement, all right, and then you get to begin and it's just having fun. No, that mentality of God is fundamentally wrong. You need to start seeing, me, seeing him as a father whose inheritance is critical, is important for his own son to be able to know the instruction, all right, and to know the teaching and the will of the father accurately. Did you hear that? So God needs you to be directed by him more than you need you to be directed by him. Praise God. It says, I will teach you. It's such an encouraging word. I will teach you. It means if I am not being led by him, then the, the, it has to be on my side. There is a problem of alignment. I am deliberately refusing to be taught. I am deliberately refusing to be instructed. And someone is saying, well, I've been crying unto him. I've been asking him questions. He's not answering me. I want to get married. The first person, the first lady I loved, I asked God, is she the one? Is she the one? And you know, God didn't say anything. I really loved that. And then, you know, things just moved on. And now, I don't know. I think I'm not just going to bother asking. You know, there are people like that. They believe that if they don't ask, then it won't be disobedient. Do you understand that logic? It's a logic of, it's, it's almost like saying, uh, Mommy, can I have some cookie? And Mommy says no. If Mommy says no and you go ahead and take the cookie, then you've disobeyed and you've stolen all right, but if you just stroll, you know, you just stroll, you know, you're with your face set like a flint. You are not looking left, you are not looking right, and you are just gunning straight for the cookie. I want this cookie. I'm getting this cookie. I'm not going to care to ask mommy. I'm just going for it. Kids, I know there are kids watching. All right, that's not the way to go. All right, so so it's it's, it's the assumption is that if I take it, your mommy will say, "What told you to take it?" But at that point, it's taken. You understand that logic? All right. It's, 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 it's not the logic for sons, right? I wanted to say something else, but let's leave that. Praise God. Praise God. All right. So we're going to start getting more granular and more practical from today. And we're going to look at the, 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 the practical ways through which God gives his children direction. The practical ways through which God gives his children direction. And I want to show us a couple of scriptures that, that show us the mind of God in terms of directing his children. We are going to see the principal method that was deployed under the old covenant. All right. We are going to journey. All right. I know it's a Sunday morning. It's going to feel a bit like a Wednesday service. Please bear with me. For example, we are going to read a lengthy scripture. And I know it is Sunday. I know it is not advisable, all right? That is what we are taught. But I tried. I didn't find any other way. Trust me, I tried. So let's read it together. I'm going to make it interactive, all right? I'm going to read. We are going to read responsibly, you know, the way we do it when we're here. I'm going to really, really assume that you have your Bible or you are reading from the screen. And then I will read a verse. You will read the next verse. And then I will read the next verse. I will do it together. You won't even notice that we just read in then the passage of scripture. Praise God. I said, praise God. 
So the Lord says, I will instruct you. I will teach you in the way that you should go. Do not be like the horse or the mule that needs beat and bridle. They need a must. There is, there, is a, there is a hand of coercion, all right, that is saying, because of my love, because of my love, I won't watch you go astray. Praise God. I said, praise God. All right. The first thing I want to say is a, is a, is, is a statement, all right, that I'm going to show us from Scripture that it is true. And it's going to change your attitude to Scripture. It's going to radically change your attitude to Scripture. And what is that statement? Just two foundational statements, and then we begin to dig into Scripture. The first statement is that the best kept secrets, listen, the best kept secrets are those that are hidden in the open. I'm going to say that again. The best kept secrets are those that are hidden in the open. I'm going to give an example. So let's say you get intel. You receive some intel that PD has gold in his house. Now, I know this is online, and let me just tell you, I have gold in my house. All right. So I'm, amen. I have gold. Amen. Amen. Now, all right. Praise God. <laughs> so just example, random example, PD has gold in his house. And then you get to my house, and you discover that there is a, there is a coffee table with a drawer, or let's say a center ottoman, all right? And th there is also a, a, like a safe in my basement that, that is under the rug, all right? And then if you open the bunker under the rug, you, you saw something that looks like gold. It's gold-plated. You just see a lot of bars or coins or bullion or whatever it is. You, you see it there. All right, and right there in my living room on the main floor, all right, in that drawer, you, you see the same thing, but you can't tell which one is real or which one is fake. Now, normal thinking will be that the one that is real and the one that is priceless, the one that is valuable, is the one that I have hidden, all right, in a place that is inaccessible, all right. Now, when you want to hide, you need inaccessibility. When you want to conceal, you need openness and revelation. I'm going to say that again. God's will is not to hide anything from you. However, his will all through the pages of scripture are concealed in a way that anybody can see them. But the eyes of your spirit need illumination so that you are not just seeing what you are looking at, but you are seeing what he is showing you. All right. All right. All right. I just needed some seconds for that to sink in. To sink in. And that's the, that's the entire concept behind mysteries. I mean, our folks on the other side, they do this a lot, a lot. They do a lot of symbolisms and numerology and all sorts in the plane. It's, it's almost everywhere. But you're looking at it and it's just imagery to you. But to them, it's messages. There's, there's, an, there's a field that studies this. It's called cryptography. All right. The, 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 the process of decoding codes and adding 
tying pieces together. They delight in it a lot, all right? But our God is a master of mysteries, not because he desires to keep them open, to keep them hidden, pardon me, but because he wants to ensure that by his spirit, his own children have illumination to see. Are you getting me this morning? So let's say there is a jewel eating in John 3.16. I'm giving an example now. Every normal human being that can read, as far as they can read, they show up at John 3.16 and they are reading, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. All right? So let us assume that that is what the English language says, which is what the apostle says that the letter kills but the spirit gives life. All right? If all I am seeing in that scripture is all the letter is saying, then I have just missed out a mystery that is in the open. But by the time the illumination of the spirit comes upon me, then I'm not just seeing for God's soul of the world. I'm now seeing jewels. My eyes have been opened by the spirit to begin to see what that scripture is really saying. And it is my prayer for someone under the sound of my voice this morning that the eyes of your understanding will be open. Come on, you need to understand the gravity of that prayer. I said the eyes of your understanding will be opened. I'm going to say it one more time, that the eyes of your understanding will be opened in the mighty name of Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. All right, let's go to scriptures. Um, I want to read Hebrews first. I also want to read Psalms first. So let's see which one they will give us. Let's see whichever one comes up first. Um, okay, good. Thank you. Hebrews chapter 1 from verse 1. It says, God who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets. Verse 2, as in these days, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. Let's go all the way to verse 4. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. This is loaded. When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of majesty on I. Can we go back to verse 3? This is not even where we are going to. But I need to show you something here. I really, really need to show you something here. Now, what the scripture is saying is that our most accurate understanding of God is the Father revealed to us by the Son. And I'm going to say that again. Our most, and I'm, 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 our most accurate revelation of the Father is the express image revealed by the Son. Revealed by the Son. You know, many people have an issue with the Bible. They have an issue with the Bible. They, they just cannot get through some stories that they read and they are wondering, is this the God you serve? Um, they've read about some, some wars in the Old Testament and they're like, is this really the God you serve? Like, wow. Is this the God you serve? 
It says, God, I love the way the old King James puts it. God who at sundry times. You know, the old King James is sweet in some things. God who, this one says it at various times. You know, that's not very, doesn't sound, you know, deep. God who at sundry times. Glory to God. Glory to God. Now, he's saying that God spoke through various methods. He says, but in these days, his choice method is son. His choice method is son. Christ his choice method. The way he wants to direct you, the way he wants to direct me, is through Christ. He's saying you see Christ, then you've seen the way. You've seen Christ, then you've seen the way. You've seen Christ, and you've seen the way. This is why, for, for, for those who compartmentalize their lives, you are missing out on direction big time. Some of you are saying, oh, can I talk to God about my boyfriend? Can I talk to God about my relationships? Can I talk to God about my finances? Can I talk to God about, I, I just feel those areas are not, you know, they're not Christian areas, all right? You're looking at properties, you're looking at job offers, you're looking at major life decisions, all right? And you're saying, can I, can I talk to God about it? You know, those things don't feel very Christian. Let me tell you, God's choice expression in these last days is the sun. And I'm going to show you why that is. That is because before the sun was revealed, God used every means available to communicate his will to mankind. The very first attempt at communicating divine mysteries to mankind was creation. The very first scripture that mankind had to read was creation. Such that God had eaten himself in creation to show forth his glory. That you cannot look at creation and not admit that there is a God. That is why it is completely, it is completely impossible for anyone to claim that they are an atheist. It's impossible. It, it is a term that doesn't exist. For the fact that you are choosing to believe in something that does not exist. I mean, praise God. Praise God. I mean, okay, so let's say you've, you've heard so much about, let me just pick a, let me just pick a, I'm, I'm trying to look for a good example. I'm trying to look for a good example. Okay, let me use our senior pastor. Praise God. Glory to God. If anybody should send this message to him, praise God. All right, so let's use our senior pastor for example. So, there are multiple ways that you can hear and know about Pastor Matthew. Multiple ways. Some people know him as, as an author. Some know him as pastor. Some know him as prophet. Some know him as a philanthropist. Some know him as a brilliant academic mind. Some know him as a lot, a lot of things. It's such, such a phenomenal existence. Let me just put it that way. Praise God. All right? Now, but the most accurate, the most accurate description of him, I won't get it from Google. I won't get it from Wikipedia. I won't get it from the news. There might be facts about him from the news but the moment somebody who has worked with him comes then that information is superior are you still with me this morning or somebody who has worked with him somebody who manages all right maybe a project somewhere in malawi or somewhere in sierra leone and says oh pastor matthew i've worked with him and the person gives you information that information trumps whatever it is you've seen on the news all right but beyond someone who is, works with him, somebody who, is, who works in his house, somebody who is his son. When his son says, this is daddy, <laughs> this is daddy, 
then immediately that overrides every other information or consciousness that we've had. In the same way, this scripture is telling us the prophets have come, they've prophesied. We've documented, it's amazing how the Old Testament attributes everything that happens to God. The moment it doesn't have physical explanation, you got an evil spirit came from the Lord. The Lord, the, everything God, God, everything God. So Jesus shows up and says, Let me tell you about my father. Let me tell you about the character of my father. Let me tell you about the nature of my father. So God's principal language in these last days is son. Somebody say son. Jesus glorified. Praise God. Let's read verse 4. Having become so much better than the angels. I mean, there are still people today who will insist on an angel speaking to them than God's word coming alive. He's saying God has moved on. God's choice, God's priority, that relationship, you must have it with the word. You must, if you want to enjoy divine direction, you must have that solid relationship with the word. Having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Glory to God. Glory to God. Okay, let's go to the next scripture. Let's go to the next scripture. Let's go to either Romans chapter 1 or Psalms 19. Romans chapter 1. Let's read verse 18 and 19 up to 22. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. It says, because what may be known of God is manifest in them. It says, for God has shown it to them. God has revealed himself to them. His choice method of revelation is his son. But before the son was revealed, S-O-N, there was a revelation in creation that was made evident to all. It says, because what, okay, for since the creation of the world, no, that's gone. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. Somebody say clearly seen. Being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Hmm. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God. Nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts. That is the definition of atheism. Futility of thought. It's a deliberate refusal. It, it is denial. And their foolish hearts were darkened. That's why the psalmist said, it is only a fool that we say there is no God. 22. Professing to be wise, they became fools. You can see it. Over, over, re-emphasized. Praise God. Now, let's read a lengthy one. Let's read a lengthy one. All right, let's go to Psalms 19. It will capture the thought of this transition from a revelation in creation to a revelation in Scripture to a revelation in the Son. You know, it's amazing that Jesus came and he said that you study the Scriptures thinking that there you will find life. You, you are looking for eternal life. You are checking the Scriptures. But you have to understand that these Scriptures point to me. They point to me. God's principal language of expression, principal mode of direction is his son. Listen to me, dear child of God. Your obsession with someone who will dream a dream for you 
and we give you some interpretation from the pit of hell is not God's will for you. I'm going to say that again. Your obsession with some prophet somewhere that will prophesy a prophecy over you and you will not need a relationship with the son is a lie. If he's going to instruct you, if he's going to teach you, then it is going to principally be through a relationship with his son. Once that relationship is established, then he will lead you, he will guide you. He might bring prophets your way. He might bring the servants your way to confirm his will, his revealed will. Praise God. Praise God. So let's do this together. I will read verse 1. I will trust that you are reading verse 2. I will read verse 3. And when we get to verse 11, we will read together. Is that fine deal? All right, let's do this. And we can read from the screen together. Verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Verse 3. There is no speech nor language, but their voice. Sorry, there is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Hmm. Hmm. Verse 5. It's rising. Verse 5. Which is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoices like a strong man to run his race. Verse 6. Verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect. Hmm. So we can see a transition from creation to scripture. The law of the Lord is perfect. Converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. Making wise the simple. Verse 8. Your turn. Hmm. Enlightening the eyes. Enlightening the eyes. Enlightening the eyes. Verse 9. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. I love this verse. Christine. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Hmm. Hmm. So you can see the type of gold I said I have in my house. Praise God. Verse 11. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. By them your servant is warned. Your servant is directed. Your servant is instructed. Your servant is taught. And in keeping them, there is great reward. In keeping them, there is great reward. I said we were reading verse 11 together. So, once again, everybody, let's read verse 11. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. And in keeping them, there is great reward. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. All right. So we said the first revelation was creation. Creation speaking without words, but saying many things. And then there is scripture. Scripture, the prophets, the law, all right, the Psalms, all of this. It's a dimension. And the choice dimension is the sun which is the Son revealed through the pages of Scripture by the Spirit. Praise God. 
Praise God. Now, somebody is reading this, and you have, you have, you have a question. And the question is that, um, does God want me to confirm if he is the one leading me? Like, so God says, get up, go to Nineveh. All right. Does God want me to confirm that he has said, go to Nineveh? Um, and this is an insert into today's sermon for someone specifically under the sound of my voice. That any authority, any voice or system of authority that does not subscribe to verification is deliberately interested in error. Someone in there to hear that. Um, the moment someone says, oh, brother Joe, I have a word from the Lord for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. What is the word for the Lord? From the Lord. The Lord said A, B, C, and D. Oh, thank you so much. Um, uh, I would like to pray about this and seek the face of God concerning this. No. No. Why are you seeking the face of God? Don't you trust that I'm a man of God? Don't you trust that I'm a woman of God? Child of God, beware. Beware, that is not the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is not intimidated by confirmation. If it is the Spirit of God, you will ask again, you will hear yes again. And you will come back again and say, Father, you will hear yes again. In his mercy, he will help your unbelief. It's amazing. We live in a time where, where all sorts of prophecies, all sorts of words, and next week, Sunday, by God's grace, we are going to tie this up in the final part of how to know that this is God speaking. We saw some of it in Psalm 19. How to know. It says it is clean. It is altogether righteous. God will never violate his word. He will never give you an instruction that he cannot back up by his word. It's amazing. Even in the systems of men for, 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 for quality, for verifying quality, quality systems or or, or, or or um, cyber security systems, they, they will tell you to confirm. Confirm. You see, check the boxes. How many traffic lights? How many cars? You are verifying how much more a decision that will affect the entire course of your life. The moment you see a fight towards verification, let's pray. Let's pray and agree on this matter. No. It's a pointer. It's a major pointer. Praise God. Praise God. All right, so let's walk through examples of how God led in Scripture. And we are going to pray at the end of today's service. And I, am, I mean, we've been receiving amazing testimonies already. I am trusting God that from this service, there will be even more testimonies. And yours will be among. In the mighty name of Jesus. Praise God. Genesis chapter 12. Let's read from verse 1 to 4. I told you it will feel like, like a midweek service. A couple of scriptures to read because this is how God leads. This is how he leads. This is his choice method. You cannot see. You cannot insist on how you want to be led. It's amazing. We have God has interesting children today. He said, me, I don't read my Bible. I don't read my, I only dream. That's me. God speaks to me through dreams. Don't get me wrong. God speaks through dreams, but your dreams must be vetted by scripture. And the moment they do not align, immediately you trash them. You trash them. You, the moment you accept it, you've built an idol. And it will be effective against you. It will. It, that's, our belief systems are strong. That's why child, you have to be careful what you are listening to. 
and what you are soaking into your spirit. All right? What you are soaking into your spirit. Praise God. Praise God. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Somebody says, no, I don't, I don't, I don't disturb God. I have a man of God over me. Everything he says comes to pass. I don't disturb God. Once prophet says it, it is done. You mean, you, you don't pray? You don't? No? Prophet has never, it's strict. WWW, no L. Never L. Solid track record. <laughs> Genesis chapter 12. Now the Lord had said to Abraham, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. To a land that I will show you. To a land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. Verse 3. I hope someone is saying amen here. Yeah? I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Glory to God. Verse 4. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him. Prompt obedience. Prompt obedience. The question here is, is it possible for you to receive instruction from God in a way that you can hear, know, and move based on that instruction? Yes. Many times we are insisting on the full picture. God tells Abraham to a place I will show you. What we will do in our days is we will bring out our phones, we open Google Maps, or we open Waze, and we enter to a place I will show you. No results found. See, see God, and they are not leading me anywhere. Many times we want the full map, road map, and the road, full picture. And God is saying, if I show you that, it will scare you. It will scare you. All right, so let's take it precept upon precept. Let's take it line upon line. Let me direct you where your obedience at this level unlocks instruction for the next level. I'm going to say that again. Where your obedience at this level unlocks the next instruction for the next level. Where your obedience, this is, this is rev for someone listening to me. You are waiting for the next instruction. God is saying, I'm waiting for the current obedience. I'm going to say that again. You are waiting for the next instruction. And God is saying, I'm waiting for the current obedience. Beware. Any other instruction coming from nowhere is not from God. He's not the author of confusion. Glory to God. I said glory to God. All right, let's go to Exodus chapter 13 and let's read 21 and 22. Exodus chapter 13, verse 21 and 22. And I'm going to show us here that God's direction, God wants you, he knows that you in your life to navigate life, all right, you will need his presence and you will need his presence to be tangible. Hmm. I'm going to say this. It is one of God's fundamental characteristics that he is omnipresent. That means he is everywhere at every time. He is everywhere at every time. So God is here right now. We're in Canada. For those of you watching from the U.S., God is right there. For those of you watching from Africa, God is right there. I don't know if anybody is watching from space, but God is right there. If anybody is underground, God is right there. The psalmist said, even if I go to Sheol, if I go to hell, God's presence is, is literally everywhere at every time. It's amazing. 
<laughs> it's amazing. God is there. I remember a cartoon. I digress a bit. A cartoon uh, that I stumbled on. It's amazing I'm talking about cartoons a lot these days. But this was an animation, all right, about a particular boy who had been instructed by his parents not to do some things. And there was a little rat in the house. The rat could speak, all right. And every time the child will attempt to take a wrong step, the rat will speak. And the voice of that rat stuck in my head. I'm talking of maybe over 15 years since I saw this animation now. And what the only thing, maybe I don't know if anybody else has seen it. The only thing that rat is saying is, Jesus is watching you. Jesus is watching you. Jesus is watching you. And I'm saying it this way so that it will stick. You might not remember anything from this message, but you remember Jesus is watching you. The next time you want to do something foolish, Jesus is watching you. Yes, this voice will haunt you. Some of you will hear. <laughs> you will hear my voice in your dream. Jeez, before you want to do something stupid, Jesus is watching you. Praise God. That was on a lighter note. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of clouds to lead the way. And by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so as to go by day and by night. Let's see verse, that's verse 22. Alright, so we can see that God's presence, 22, he did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from before the people. So they had that guarantee of his constant presence that I will always be with you. But not only will I always be with you, I will confirm my presence with you by something tangible. I will confirm my presence with you by something tangible, by something manifest. Not only will you just know that I am here just because I'm omnipresent, he's saying, but there will be a tangibility to my presence and it will lead you and it will direct you. And this is how the Israelites navigated all right, through the wilderness until they got into the promised land. Let's look at this interesting conversation in Exodus chapter 33. Let's read verse 12 to 17. Exodus 33, 12 to 17. Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you said to me, Bring up these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. <clears throat> Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Can we go back? So what Moses is, the logic Moses is bringing to God here is that, if indeed you know me by name, if indeed I have found grace in your sight, the proof that I have found grace in your sight is that you will assure me a guarantee of support. You will assure me a guarantee of direction. And there's someone listening. You're still wondering whether God has any plans for you, whether God wants to direct you. I need this to sink in. He says, I will instruct you and I will teach you in the way that you should go. He's saying that I know you by name and you, yes, you have found grace in my sight. Praise God. Let's go to the next verse. Next verse. Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way, that I may know you, 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 that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his suffering be made conformable unto his death, that I may know you, and that I may find grace in your sight, 
and consider that this nation is your people. Hmm. And he said, my presence will go with you. And I will give you rest. Isn't that profound? My presence will go with you. And I will give you rest. There will be turmoil all around you. But my presence will go with you. And you will have rest. The world literally could be coming, tumbling, rumbling, everything. Going upside down around you. But my presence will go with you. And I will give you rest. That's a word for someone here. My presence will go with you. And I will give you rest. Praise God. Then he said to them, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. He's saying, we are not living here. We are not going anywhere. We are not taking the next step without your presence. Now, there is a level of desperation and dependence that you will need to enjoy divine direction. Every time you suggest to God that you have options, you are not ready to be led by him. If your attitude is, God, if you don't lead me, there's a million and one other people that are ready to lead me. I have zodiac signs. I will just open and see what is the word for today. Word for today. Amazing. If you will not lead me, I've got options, then you're not ready. I'm talking of people who are saying, God, it's you or nothing. It's, it's you or nowhere. It's, it's essentially your spirit or nothing. If you are not speaking, we are not moving. If your presence is not guaranteed, we are going nowhere. And I know this is that generation. This is that generation that seeks your face. Oh, Jacob, this is that generation. Thank you, Jesus. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. Verse 17. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that I have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by my name. Praise God. Praise God. Numbers chapter 12, verse 5. Let's read two more scriptures, and then we'll jump to the New Testament. Numbers 12, 5. He says, the Lord came down in a pillar of clouds, stood at the door of the tabernacle, called Aaron and Miriam, and they both went forward. Interesting story there. All right, but the essence here is that God's presence was present because he is omnipresent. However, in the pillar of fire, in the pillar of cloud, he communicated a tangibility of his presence. All right, and dear child of God, it is my prayer that you will enjoy that tangible presence, that you will learn, learn the protocol of his presence. It's a place of rest. It's a place of rest. Your world will look at you. They will believe you are not okay. Because you will have enough reasons to be ruffled, but you will be as cool as ice. Unruffled, unshaken, unmoved, rock solid. In the mighty name of Jesus. Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 15. Deuteronomy 31 verse 15. Deuteronomy 31 verse 15. Do not forget where we started this conversation from. It says, Now the Lord appeared at the tabernacle in a pillar of cloud, and the pillar of clouds stood above the door of the tabernacle. Over and over and over again, emphasizing his presence. Over and over again, emphasizing his presence. All right? Do not forget where we started this conversation from. God used various means, various ways to communicate his will and to reveal his glory. His choice method today, his choice method for me, his choice method for you is through his son. And we find his son 
through the pages of Scripture as revealed by the Spirit, not as read by the letter. We find his son in the pages of Scripture decoding mysteries as revealed by the Spirit, not as read by the letter. All right? But in the Old Testament here, he's guiding them with a tangible, a tangible, a tangible presence. All right? There's a pillar here. All right? And I want to show you something interesting here. I want to show you something interesting here. Let's read Numbers chapter 24. Let's read verse 16 and 17. This is one of the prophecies of a man who was called upon to curse God's people and he started pronouncing blessings and, and prophesying. He says, The utterance of him who hears the words of God and has the knowledge of the Most High, who sees the vision of the Almighty, who falls down with eyes wide open. Verse 17, he says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. He says, a star shall come out of Jacob, a scepter shall rise out of Israel and batter the brow of Moab and destroy all the sons of tumult. A star shall come out of Jacob. 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 The, the, the writers of the King James uh, Bible and a lot of modern translations still withhold that when he's talking to the Spirit of God or when he's talking to a messianic prophecy, you will see the caps used um, to describe that. He's saying a star shall come out of Jacob. Praise God. I said praise God. Now let's go to Matthew. Let's go to Matthew. Let's go to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, this is a story we read only during Christmas, all right? And there is something here for someone here. It says, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. So they had seen something, and they referred to what they had seen as a star. All right, but we know that what they had seen, uh, once you study the geography of the land and the description, it couldn't have been a star as we know stars in geography. What they had seen was direction by a pillar of fire in the sky that moved and showed them the way to go on how to locate this king. Hmm. Let's read verse 7. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. What kind of star is this? What kind of direction is this? Verse 7, verse 8, sorry. Verse 8. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back words to me that I may come and worship him also. Of course, we know that was never the plan. Verse 9 and 10, very quickly. When they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them. Can you see this is not a normal star? It went before them. Just the way the children of Israel were directed. By this pillar that went before them. It says it went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. Verse 10. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Exceeding great 
joy, exceeding great joy. Let's read verse 13 to 15. I shouldn't be apologizing that we are reading a lot of scriptures. It's Sunday morning, all right? Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt. Now this is another important lesson in enjoying divine direction. When the Lord gives an instruction, do not interpret it with logic. If indeed this child is the king of the Jews, if indeed this is the most high coming in human dimension, then we shouldn't be the ones running from error. Error should be the one running from us. But the Lord appeared and said, take the child, go to Egypt. Go to Egypt. Go to Egypt. Go to Egypt. Now, what could disobedience have caused at this level? What could Joseph's disobedience have caused? Could Herod have assassinated the, the king of glory? Someone is saying, no, not possible. As maybe if they had a sword, as the sword will just touch the baby. The baby Jesus will just, you know, like Matrix, you know, will just, or like Magneto, will just carve the sword. See, do not underestimate the power of disobedience. Do not underestimate the power of disobedience. It can, it, praise God, praise God. We will tie this up and give you practical, practical, practical wisdom direction on, God, on how God leads. God was not afraid of Herod. They didn't run to Egypt because Herod could kill Jesus. The primary reason we know is because the scripture must be, must be fulfilled. Because it had been prophesied that he will call forth his son out of Egypt. All right? And Herod just needed to, to have a role to play in all of that. But the instruction was arise and go. You don't bring logic. This is not about protecting the child. This is the king of glory. This is the king of glory. Praise God. Praise God. Are you still with me this morning? Are you still with me this morning? So that was the same pillar of fire. The same manifest presence directed them to the king of glory. And there was more like an andover ceremony. That now that the king is born, now that the son is revealed, take it over from here, son of God. By the Spirit of God, you will be the one to lead your people. God who at sundry times in diverse manners has spoken to our fathers through the prophets. Today, speaking to us through his son, his son revealed. His son revealed. Glory to God. Glory to God. Praise God. As we begin to tie this up, I will show us four principal ways by which believers in the book of Acts... Now, this was the first generation of Christians after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I will show us four ways through which the believers enjoyed direction. Four ways, and I'm going to move through this quickly. All right, four ways. Please do not, do not undermine them because we are moving fast. These are four important ways that we see. And one of the things we said in the previous installments was that when you are walking with God, your experience doesn't count. Experience doesn't count. The fact that God instructed you this way the last time, it doesn't mean he will do it the same way. He is sovereign. He is, he, he is matchless in his ways. He, 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 he might tell you to, to do it standing today. He might tell you to do it sitting. He might say kneel. He might say roll on the floor. He might say cry. He might... The key is obedience. The key is obedience. Praise God. 
Praise God. Praise God. Four ways through which the first generation of believers enjoyed divine direction. Four ways. Number one, through prophecy. Somebody say prophecy. Somebody say prophecy. Somebody say prophecy. And prophecy here will mean either prophetic words of power or prophetic words of foresight. By foresight, that means a peep into the future or a, a, a release of power into the future to create. We don't have time to break this down today. We'll, maybe we'll pick it up from here next week. A peep into the future to see and to report. So you are reporting like a reporter to see what you've seen. All right? Or words of power that are literally carrying that manifestation to insert it in the future. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. They received the prophetic word there. It says, and you shall receive power, Acts 1 8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. All right? Statement of truth. It says, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem. You will witness to me in Judea. You will witness to me in Samaria and then all to the ends of the earth. All right, that word came as a prophetic word of direction. You will receive my spirit. You will witness to me here. You will witness to me beyond here. You will witness to me all over the world. That was the prophetic word. So the number one way through which God directs is through a word of prophecy. It tells you what will happen or it creates realities in your tomorrow. It is my prayer that you will enjoy prophecies by the spirit of God. In the mighty name of Jesus, you will be delivered from manipulation. You will be delivered from manipulation. You will be delivered from lies. In the mighty name of Jesus. Number two, we don't like this, but through persecution. Somebody say persecution. Yes, it is a tool of direction. It is a tool of direction. Do not forget, uh, it says that I will instruct you, I will teach you. Don't be like the horse, which must... This is the most part of it. This is the most part of it, persecution. When we have refused instruction and teaching, then there will be need for, you know, a must and a bit and brittle to realign out of love. To realign out of love. To realign out of love. Acts chapter 8 verse 1. We read Acts 1.8. Now we are going to Acts chapter 8, verse 1. It says, Now Saul was consenting. This is the same Saul who would become the apostle, the great apostle Paul. Now Saul was consenting to his death. He there is talking about Stephen. All right. To Stephen's death. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. Can you see that? There was persecution against the church at Jerusalem. The prophecy was that they will witness in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and in the utmost part of the earth. But this church was enjoying the move of the Spirit so much in Jerusalem. Nobody wanted to leave Jerusalem. Nobody wanted to leave Jerusalem. God said, guys, you're kidding. The prophecy says Jerusalem, Judea. Samaria, this gospel is going all over the earth. But they were having fun in Jerusalem, you know. Powerful services. Miracle services. This word now is piercing somebody under the sound of my voice. 
You know God has told you to move. You know. Let's leave it, let's leave it that way. All right. It says, a great persecution arose against the church which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered. Scattered there will look like it was random, but see where they were scattered to? Throughout the regions of Judea. Oh, wow. Samaria. Oh, wow. Insert ends of the earth. Praise God. You will obey. God loves you. You will obey. You will do his will. Tap your neighbor and say, obey. Just obey. Obey. So number one is prophecy. Number two, persecution. Number three is true is manifest presence. Remember that pillar of cloud? Yes. Yes. True is manifest presence. Acts chapter 13, verse 1 and 2. Let's read it in the... Great. You have the message translation. Great. It says, the congregation in Antioch was blessed with a number of prophet preachers and teachers. So there was an established dimension of the move of the Spirit. It says, Barnabas, Simon, Lucius, Manian. You see, not one. Not one. And we are going to come to this next week. How to vet that this is the will of God. This one prophet, wonder prophet said, you see, God creates a system of vetting. A system of accuracy for confirmation of the word. All right. And we'll talk about that by God's grace next, next week. All right. Lucius the Siren, Manian, an advisor to the ruler, Herod Saul. Can we go to the next verse? One day, as they were worshiping God, this is the key. They were, they were hosting his presence. In, in the King James, I believe, it says, while they ministered to God and they fasted. That ministered, it might leave you wondering, what does ministered mean? The message here makes it clear. It says, one day as they were worshiping God, they were also fasting and they waited for guidance. They waited for guidance. There was no alarm clock saying, God, if you don't answer me today, tomorrow I'm going off with that guy. I'm moving to his house. Answer me today or I'm gone. Praise God. They were waiting. It says the Holy Spirit spoke. The Holy Spirit spoke. It says, take Barnabas and Saul, commission them for the work I have called them to do. Praise God. Praise God. Child of God, learn to worship. Learn to worship and just stay in his presence. The Spirit of God will speak. The Spirit of God will speak. The Spirit of God will speak. Just learn to host his presence. Host his presence. He's your father. He's your father. Not every time shouting, shouting. Sometimes just chill in his presence. Chill. Have conversation. Ask him. Father, this pandemic, how far? Ask him questions. What's the plan? You said it's my year of shining. I'm seeing testimonies all around me. But I trust your plan. I trust your word. And you stay still. You stay quiet. And then he will show you, he will speak through his word. His word will come alive. Praise God. Praise God. Number four, and the last one just before we pray, is that sometimes God will use prevention. If you notice, we've stuck with peace. Number one, prophecy. Number two, persecution. Number three, his presence hosted in worship. And number four, prevention. He, he, he will, as though, prevent you from going a particular route out of his love. Acts chapter 16, verse 6 to 10. Acts chapter 16, verse 6 to 10. Now when they had gone through Phrygia 
and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit. They were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to, I mean, preach the word. Preach the word. So there are times when what you're about, it, which is why if your mentality is, is in the Bible, is in the Bible, show me, show me. You will miss God. You will miss God. They were going to preach the word. It was the right thing to do. All right? But it was the wrong thing to do. And the Holy Spirit forbids them. There's someone here, you're about to take a decision. It is right. You know it is right. It feels right. It's, you've checked all the boxes, but you've lost your peace in your heart. That is the mercy of God restraining you. And he's saying, don't take that step. It might look common sense, yes. It might, it might even look right, all right? But there is that forbidding, that hand of restraint is a hand of love. It means God loves you. It means he's mindful of you. In the words of Moses, it means he knows you by name. It means you have found grace in his sight, all right? Those were Moses' word of describing affection. It means he knows you by name. He doesn't just say, my child. He knows your name. He's saying, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't take this step. It feels right. It looks right. It's probably right. You've not found where it is wrong in scripture. But there's that restraining, that forbidding by the spirit. He says, don't do it. Verse 7. Let's read all the way to 10. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the spirit did not permit them. Again, the spirit did not permit them. So, passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas. Verse 9. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, it was now clear. This is why the Lord was restraining us. Now, after I had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Praise God. I said, praise God. You know, some of you are looking at the, the end of God in your life. It is now that it is making sense. You now know why you didn't get that job. Now, it's now clear to you. In that moment, it was like God was wicked to you. You had promises. You had fasted. You had prayed. You had a confirmation. You had a note of victory. You went into the interview confident. All right. God had given you words of favor. Now, you know why. Now, you know why. Some of you here, you lost a job at some point in your life, and that was what pushed you into greatness. In the middle of the storm, it looked like God was wicked. But later, you saw and you found his mercy. Praise God. Do not be like the horse. If there's any word I want to leave you with, do not be like the horse. Do not be like the mule, which have no understanding, which need, which must, which must, must, must be redirected. Praise God. We're going to pray this, this morning, and our, our prayer is going to be a song. And I want you to sing that song prayerfully and to make it your prayer this morning. See, it is my prayer. I need direction. I am privileged to have enjoyed direction in my life. My life depends on him. My life depends on him. All right? It's not like um, Spotify Premium uh, or um, that they, they tell you, you, you on the go. You don't need internet. You just download it on your phone. We don't download his map on our phone. We need him constantly. Yes, his word is the map. 
but it is the letter. We need the Spirit constantly. I don't say, God, you told me to fast two days last week, therefore it has to be two days now. No, God is not stuck. He's not stuck in practices. What is is testing is your capacity for obedience. And let me just tell you, there is so much he wants to reveal to you. There is so much he wants to reveal to you. There's so much he wants. It's a relationship. As you go deeper, you unlock, you qualify for more secrets. The secret things belong to the Lord. The secret things belong to the Lord. He knows what is in the darkness. He's looking for who to reveal them to. It's just as you don't divulge the secrets of your life on day one of your date. Alright? Your first date. And you're telling the person everything. No. God is waiting for consistency. He's waiting for a track record of obedience. And he said, yes, my son is ready now. He says, my daughter is ready now. Let's start committing weighty matters of the kingdom to his hands, to her hand. She's ready. He's ready. He understands, obligates dependence now. She, she understands this constant dependency that I'm not going to take a bit of his presence and run off. I am going to insist that he comes, that he comes, that his presence is here. Glory to God. Glory to God. This is my prayer that the Lord will open the heart, the eyes of our understanding. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed by the sermon. And if you would love to be a part of what God is doing in our midst, feel free to join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. To be a part of the giving, you can give our email at info, I-N-F-O, at kicccanada.ca or through our website at www.kicc.ca. God is doing amazing things in our midst and we look forward to seeing you soon. Remember you are a champion. God bless you.